Okay, while we're talking about giving us a call, Darren mentioned a couple of books that he's written in his interview mm. and he has generously made these available. Now, these are going to be available for anyone who calls through. Wow. I know we did this, we kind of did this yesterday for the first time in like three years. Mm. To have it two days in a row is bizarre. But that's how things go. So <laughs> the first one is called, and he's given me a copy of these books here, Tweens, Teens and the Power of Parenting. Mm-hmm. Uh, the second one is called Children, Porn and Devices, Framing a Way Forward. The third one is called Families and Technology, Living Well in the Digital Age. So those three books are available. So let me just run through those titles again because these are really these are addressing massively important subjects, just incredibly important subjects. Um, Lawson can testify to that as a young person. I can mm. testify to that as a parent raising children in the digital age. But families, technology, living well in the digital age—that's that's one. Then you've got children, porn, and devices framing a way forward. That is the second one. And then Teens, Tweens, and the Power of Authentic Parenting. Uh, those are available for free. Mm. Anyone who calls, anyone who texts. Mm. And we want to get as many of these out as possible. So probably the best way to grab them is to text through your name and phone number mm. because our phone lines are simply going to run too hot. But if you call and we miss your call, we will call you back anyway. The thing that I love in particular about Darren's work and, and really with these booklets as well is that this is both Bible, like a Bible and science-based exploration of these topics. Yes. He's getting into it from all sides. And that's his, you know, that's his job as the, as the youth director here for the North New South Wales Conference. And yeah, no, these are amazing, amazing, amazing resources. So get in, get, call those numbers. Uh, or text. That's the first one, first request coming through right now. Oh, so good. 0491-064-669. Yes. All right. And, of course, uh, the the reason that we're doing family-based activities today for our quiz prizes is because Darren here, who's our family guy who encourages families to be together. So Mm -hmm. uh, somebody just texted through, you know, TikTok, the mind of Satan at work. It will be better for them. Uh, Leave this world. God's judgment is upon them. What they are doing does not happen by Mm. accident. So mm. true. Mm. It's not happening by accident. It is being engineered to get you addicted because that's how they make money is when you become addicted. And the, the, the thing that really sells it, I think, and this is the same principle of, of YouTube and why a lot of people have shifted away from like TV and from a lot of traditional forms of media. The thing about TikTok is that anyone can make it. And yes. so this is the thing is that they like... I. I you know, you can't say that all, all content on TikTok is, TikTok is made by one person. The thing that makes it really addictive is that they reward you for making the, the this kind of content. Yes. Like, this is the point, is that you are rewarded, and then it's marketed to you as a child, as a young person, as a whatever. Yeah, it's heavy stuff. But we okay, so those numbers that. again. Give us those numbers and give them to us slowly. Okay. Make sure that everybody can write them down. I want as many people mm-hmm. to get access to these books as possible. This is incredibly important. Okay, so you can call us at 1-800-324-843 or you can text us at 0491-064-669. Okay, let's, uh, we've got a few minutes here. Let's run through our text messages. There's mm-hmm. a bunch of them to get through, so let me see. Uh, the royal family, the power they hold behind the scenes is staggering. 
really don't know much about that. But anyway, whatever. Um, I don't believe Prince Harry is ignorant of the American Constitution. The mere fact that he called it bonkers, he must have discussed it before and obviously just didn't agree with it. Yeah, much like his ancestor, King George the Third. Yeah, this is what I was saying in response. Like he's obviously he, you know, for me, I'm not a, I'm not American yet. I understand the First Amendment of the yes. Constitution. Yes, like, it's pretty easy to grasp. No, it's not difficult. So he's like, oh yeah, it's totally radical and bonkers. Oh, but you know, I don't know that much about it, so I'm not going to go into it. But it's terrible and radical and bonkers. I think he was intentionally making a statement that like he didn't have to qualify by giving no information. Yet he left the impression on people like oh yeah like this is what i think and i i believe in and kind of trying to influence people i don't want to then say oh you know prince harry is playing three-dimensional chess with our brains and trying to suck us into hating freedom <laughs> of speech but at the same time there are a lot of people who don't like freedom of speech yes and now they have a high profile person who is seemingly on their side with no accountability because he didn't give any reason to why he doesn't like freedom of speech as bizarre, I was talking to a young person uh, on social media, you know, a few weeks back, and they're like, "No, we need to smash the American Constitution. We need to get rid of it. It's the worst thing ever." Well, you know, and this is this is a, uh, and I'm just sort of oh, like, "Wow, you, you know, <laughs> you do realize that you were living in the world superpower, right? Mm. And you do realize what created that, right? Mm. <laughs> Amazing. Anyway, uh, next text message here: America was raised by God Himself for the benefit of the world. A huge percentage of the of world evangelism and donations for help comes from America. Mm-hmm. The suffering of the early settlers like William Penn forced upon them the idea of the separation of church and state, the greatest gift God could ever have given them. That's That's got to be like text message of the year right there. 100%. That is like the best thing we've heard mm-hmm. on the mm-hmm. text line. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. That's text message of the year. All right, next one is uh, there must be at least three and a half billion women in the world who call themselves mothers or will in the future. How can a handful of the LGBT community have so much power? It is given by laws, and that is sickening. The ABA, let's pray for those mothers who are suffering through this terrorism attack on them and their families. I'm just going to say this right here, okay? When you take the word mother out of, you know, the Australian Breastfeeding Association, that is an effort to delete women. Uh-huh. And when you replace it with parent. Uh-huh. You're just trying to delete women. That's all it is. And there is no greater calling than that of being a mother. Mm. When uh, Shell and I decided to have children, we decided to invest Shell's potential income into our kids. Yeah, well. So she didn't go out and get a job. She stayed home and worked. And people kind of looked down on that. Mm. And when people asked what my wife did, I would tell them she's the director of a private school. Mm. And people would be impressed by that. If I told them, yeah, she's a stay-at-home mum, which is what she was, the director of a private school, she was a stay-at-home mum. If I told them she's a stay-at-home mum, I'd be like, oh, okay, you know. Mm. They wouldn't, no one's impressed by that. And this is, this is a continued attack on the role of mother. The role of mother, that's the greatest role that there is in the world, full stop. And this is an attack on it right here, and and we're trying to just makes my blood boil. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. So massive shout out to all the mothers this morning. Mm. You are doing a fantastic, amazing job. You are our heroes. I I don't understand like the logical like steps that you need to take to because it, the connotations that someone makes that it's like not good for someone to be a stay at home mo- mother is that that's not valuable. It's like oh yeah, so they're better work. off to. 
be in a career or whatever. Oh, yeah. So if you're better off, if something is better off, then we all kind of agree that everyone should be doing that thing or everyone should strive to be doing that thing. And if everyone is striving to do that thing, then who is raising children? Like, this is the thing. It's like, who is raising children? And I, I, I challenge Hey, I those... get the fact that they're stay-at-home dads and all that kind of stuff yeah. as well. I have no problem with that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm just saying that, you know, in an environment where you create freedom of opportunity, uh, 90% of the time you're going to have mums who do that job. Mm. Or, or, yeah, or dads. Like, someone has to fit into that role. Yes. Because this is the thing. It's like... There's nothing more important than the raising of our children. 100%. And, and the point is, it's like, just... Reflect for someone who wants to make that point it, from a successful position as well. Just reflect on your own life. Yes, it's like, oh yeah, I, you know. Okay, so then, did you come in environment? It's from an environment where no one raised you. You know, you did it all on your own, and and you just, uh, you know, emulated the the success that the your parents who paid no attention to you did. Like, is is that what you're trying to suggest? And I would say that the majority of those people came from a situation where they had, a, you know, one one of their parents in the caring role that raised them. Yep. I can say that. A lot of people can say Text that. Text message right now is to do with the destruction of the family, Satan's plan from the beginning. Let's mm. get into our Bible study. Let's go to Malachi chapter 3 and verse 6. And we're going to be talking about the stability of God's law today. Ooh. We talked about this. I was telling you the other day, uh, well, yesterday when we, when we, were, um, we, we recorded a Sabbath school commentary. Me and me and Hannah, we could yes. rec- and we talked about this. The stability, stability of God's law. Yeah. Okay. Dude, Malachi 3 verse 6. Mm-hmm. The Bible says, I am the Lord and I do not change. Um, that is why uh, you descendants of Jacob are not already destroyed. There you go. I am the Lord. <laughs> I change not. Mm-hmm. It says in the King James Version, very emphatic, I change not. Mm. Let's go to James chapter 1 and verse 17. James chapter 1 and verse 17. I'm kind of wondering whether my thoughts on this subject are the same as your thoughts or whether you had some completely different insights that on this subject that I didn't have. <laughs> okay, uh, James chapter one seventeen. Yes. Oh, I love this verse. Um, James chapter one seventeen. the Bible says, Whatever is good and perfect comes down to us from God our Father, who created all the lights in the heavens. Okay, that is whack. What is what even is that, that Lyle? Let me read it to you from a real KJV. Yeah, please, please. Okay, James chapter one. <laughs> let's bring out the KJV. One seventeen. Man, I'm already there. Come on, Lyle. Yeah, what a- <laughs> Uh, my Bible is this is falling apart. James 1 verse 17 where the Bible says this, Every good and perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness. Yes, yes. variableness. Neither shadow of turning. I, I like, I like, so I, I read from the New King James, it's every yes. good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Yes. That's powerful, dude. It is. That's so, so much better change. than, what is this, bro? What is, what is the NLT? That was so late. <laughs> but yeah, epic. Okay, so yeah, share with us your thoughts. I've got some thoughts I want to share on, on mm. this subject that, you know, God is unchanging and that God's law demonstrates mm. that God is unchanging and that that is a good thing, that that gives us security and it gives us stability and it gives us peace and happiness. Mm. Uh, go for it, Lawson. Oh, well, essentially this was a kind of run-on thought from the idea. We, we first discussed, okay, why is it that the 
covenant needs a law. Like, yes. why is the law contained in the covenant? Um, and our, our conclusion to that was that, you know, covenants need conditions. Um, agreements need conditions and terms. And that's what the law is. This is something that we've discussed here on radio. And we kind of es- explored that idea. And then the next step relating to this was, okay, why is it that God selects the law to be the terms? He could select any number of different metrics to be the terms of the covenant, yet he uses the Ten Commandments. And and we ultimately, you know, we just kind of went on from there into a, a bit of a session about just talking about how amazing the law is. From every single aspect, from every single um, perspective, like the law is so good. And and what we've we've spoken about this too. Like I think what really proves it for me is just that we are so advantaged by keeping the law and there's so many scientific studies, so many case studies done about morality yes. uh, where they find that good morality in, in a world that constantly says, uh, you know, in evolutionary circles and whatnot, that morality is not necessary for the success of a species or, or for the human race. We consistently find that we are happier and healthier by having good morality, by living by principles of good morality. And where are those principles found? Well, in the law of God, you know, uh, the first four, the last six. Like, that's that's really what we were getting to the heart to, is that the law truly is good because anywhere where you see it applied is it, always successful. That's right. Mm. Absolutely. And we were just talking about the United States. How did it become successful? And how is it now losing its success? Oh, yeah. Wow. Good points. <laughs> Just uh, example A. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Right there. Dude, it's good stuff. Okay, so here we go. Uh, this is Psalms 40 and verse 8. It says, I delight to do your will, O my God. Yes, your law mm. is within my heart. Mm. There's an interesting thought that comes to me from this passage. I delight to do your will. Your law is in my heart. Mm. And so God's will is demonstrated by God's law. Yes. Now, God's will is his character, Mm. right? That's an expression of his character. Therefore, the law is an expression of the character of God. Mm. And we've mentioned this before. However, I want you to think about this for a moment. If the law could be changed, because we're looking at the stability of the law revealing the stability of God. Yes. If the law could have been changed, if it was possible to do away with the law, Jesus didn't need to die. Mm. So think about this. Jesus came to save us from our sin. What is sin? The transgression of the law. Breaking God's law. Mm -hmm. So, And the Bible says where there is no sin, sorry, where there is no law, there is no sin. That's obvious. Mm. Okay? And so if God had, Jesus died to take away our sins. Mm Mm-hmm. But if Jesus had chosen another path and Jesus had said, well, you know, I really want to save everybody because he does. Mm. He loves everyone. And I can save everyone simply by abolishing the law because if I abolish the law, sin will cease to exist, problem is solved, and I can save everyone. Mm. And that would be so much easier. You know, that's just a legislative procedure as compared to an execution, Mm. suffering death. So much easier to change the law than to die. Mm. But Jesus chose to die. 
I want to counter your point, actually, Ooh. Lyle. Here we go. This is because this is a good thought. Her- heresy one. But, but but no, check it out. Check it out. Okay, Jesus right. himself says that it would be harder to remove one jot or one tittle from the law than for heaven and earth to pass away. Yes. This is my thought on this: is that the reason why Jesus died instead of abolishing the law is because, like, firstly, it's his will. But I believe that the law literally governs nature. Like it it, it is impossible. It is impossible to live in this universe and live eternally without keeping the law of God. Because if God's character changes, the universe collapses. Yeah. God God and his ideals is so interconnected with the natural order of the universe that we live in. There's a deep thought. My mind is just (laughs) melting out of my ears right now. Yeah. There's a deep thought. Yeah. But I feel like this is such a huge point, like, because if you just take steps backwards and backwards and backwards and backwards to the Garden of Eden, like, and and the way that things were created, like, there is no other method that we can live in other than living within God's law that will provide us life for eternity. And Garden of Eden proves that. Because what did they do? They didn't break one of the Ten Commandments. They ate a fruit. That's right. They decided to live against God in the one smallest, most tiny aspect. They decided to live against God and live for themselves. And mm. what has it created? Like, it's created death, harm, suffering. It is impossible to live outside of God's ideals because God created the universe to live inside them. And God can't change. This is the thing, though, that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, as we've been reading. Like, this is the nature of the universe dictates that we must live this way. And that's the only way. Oh, man, so much we can, we got to talk about on this slide. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Anyway, uh, text message coming through. What have we got here? Excellent point, Lawson. Oh, cute. <laughs> no, no, this actually was um, really good. Um, imagine a world without law. God had destroyed the antediluvian world because of that reason. They were living without law. Mm. And uh, but I think that last point that you were making there that you know where where Jesus says heaven and earth shall pass away before you know the smallest punctuation mark will disappear from the law of God, mm. and the fact that heaven and earth is kept together by God's law. Yeah, God's law is what binds it. So if you get rid of God's law, the universe will literally cease to exist mm. and it will implode. And and that, and that's it, like because this is God's character, hundred percent. And it's like like there's that intimate link between you know God's morality because you know when we talk about the law of God, we're talking about the morality of God. Um, and and yeah, what we see in the Garden of Eden and how sins played out is that there is an intimate link between morality and the laws of nature itself. Yes. Like that's kind of if I could condense my point, God's law can't be done away with because like His moral law can't be done away with because if you do away with the moral law you would do away with the universe itself because it's so linked to the laws that govern everything, whether it be nature, whether it be, yeah. So That's just good points. Deep. Good deep points. Stuff. All right. What else do you have to talk about? Okay. So what we're going to – oh, um, I probably should remind everybody if you have had your crack at the quiz already. Uh-huh. Uh, there's a few people having a, 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 a few goes at it. But just a quick reminder right now before we get started, three Ooh. books by Darren Pratt. Yes, yes, All three of, of these. They're, they're small books. They're booklets, mm-hmm. I guess you could say, but um, they are very, very valuable. All right, so here comes the first one. Children, porn, and devices, mm. framing a way forward. The reality is that if you have kids and if they have devices uh, and if they are, you know, 
eight years or older, they've been confronted by pornography. Mm. And there's every likelihood that they are addicted to pornography. And so what do you do about that? Mm. I think a lot of parents really don't do anything because they don't know anything to do. So what do you do about that? All right. Um, this book will tell you what you can do about that, and it's all um, and it, it has does have a warning on the front: explicit and confronting content, discretion advised. Mm. Okay, so that's that book there: children, porn, and devices. Uh, next one is called "Families and Technology: Living Well in the Digital Age." Um, so that one. So these books are like uh, what are they? They're, they're like twenty five pages long. So they're, they're they're quite significant. And then finally, teen, tweens, teens, and the power of authentic parenting. Those are all available to anyone who calls or texts for free. Mm, and you can give us a call one eight hundred three two four eight four three or text us at zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. And again, we want to stress like this is something that you can read yourself, pass on to your friends. Like this is. A fantastic uh, book. This is a fantastic resource in dealing with the challenges that are so relevant to us from both a scientific and a faith-based perspective. Um, but yeah, that's 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 it. Send them through. Now, I want to talk about God's the, the importance of the stability of God's law. Ooh, okay, cool. So God's law is a is like a wall of protection. Mm. Now, I'm going to use an illustration right here that I've used before, but I'm going to use it again. It's a good illustration. Have you ever played, when you are a kid, the game Blind Man? We used to play that with our family when we were kids. You might have a couple of families together and, and all the kids would be roaring around. It's like, let's play a game together. And so you play Blind Man. What is that? Okay, so basically it works like this. You pick one person. Uh-huh. You blindfold that person. Uh-huh. Then their job is that they have to tag everybody else in the room. Uh-huh. Okay, so you have people running and ducking and jumping and, you know, squirming and <laughs> maybe tapping them on the back of the head or anything like this, and they're blindfolded in the middle of the room trying to avoid all the furniture and tag these people who are running around all over the place. It is so That's amazing. much fun. You have no idea how Yeah, I think I've probably played something similar to that yeah, like yeah, in school. It's the best. Dude, that sounds amazing. However, it's a little bit like this, and this is an illustration. One of the things you do, one of the things you often do when you're playing blind man mm. is once you get the blindfold on, you're going to have a bit of a feel around and find out where's the furniture, where's the walls, mm-hmm. right? Now, you feel very insecure when you've got that blindfold on because it's like, I'm going to get hurt. I'm going to, I'm going to stub my toe on something. I'm going to smack my face into a wall. I'm going <laughs> to trip the, over a chair. Push, push the TV over, whatever it might be. Uh-huh. So you feel very insecure but you feel a lot more secure once you've had a bit of a feel around. It's mm. like, okay, now I've got the dimensions of the room. I've got, you know, that's roughly there, that's roughly there, that's roughly there. I know somebody's going to be hiding in that corner right there. You know, and you start to get a bit of a feel for uh, where people are going to be and what people are going to be doing and, and, and where, the, where the room is. Mm. Now, imagine you're a kid. You're playing this game. You get the blindfold on. You're feeling really insecure. You don't know where the boundaries are. You have a feel around and you find the boundaries. Then you start to play the game and suddenly you find that all the boundaries have moved. Mm. And that every time you find those boundaries, they move. What's that going to do to your sense of security as a kid? Yeah, wow, mate, you just feel, you'd honestly, you'd almost discombobulate. You'd just be like, what is going on? And the majority of the kids in our world today live with that feeling Mm. because we do not raise our children in the 
in in the glory of God and the honor of God. We raise them in the we, we use the satanic model rather than the mm. God's model. God's model is God created a boundary. This is my law, and it never changes. Mm. And so we can always be secure. We always know where the boundaries are. We always know where the wall of protection is. And whenever we feel and reach out for that boundary, it's always going to be there. Mm. When Adam and Eve looked for that boundary in the Garden of Eden and they, they, they touched the fruit, the law didn't move. Mm-hmm. The law didn't change. God didn't count to three, which is just another way of teaching kids how to be disobedient. Mm. Um, none of that. It's like they broke the law, the consequences came, mm. there was a boundary, they crossed the boundary, there was consequences. It was that simple. And, and and that, it leads so many people to ruin because you end up doing things that you thought you never would. I can just, like, specifically say from my life, I grew up, like, racing motorbikes. That was my thing. And because I was racing motorbikes, I put this massive point in my life. Like, I am not going to drink alcohol i'm not going to do drugs you know i'm like 15 and that's the age that yeah, i'm a secular kid yep. that's the age you know i could see my older sisters my parents like all these people like and, engaging in that kind of thing and you're living overseas you don't have boundaries yeah 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 but i'm like i will not do this and the whole time i was living overseas i i didn't and i like praise god for that even though everyone around me was i've made this point because i was motivated you're by an something. athlete i'm an i'm an athlete and i'm like i will not waste my time doing this it was, i will i i just i'm like i I'm going to fail if I do this. Anyways, like my motorbike career ends. I come home from Spain. I'm like depressed, da da da. And then there's that that step of like, oh, you know, well then there's no restriction. Maybe I should get into drinking. And all of a sudden, like, you know, it's within months, like I become like a full on alcoholic. I'm drunk every day. I'm struggling with alcoholism and depression. And, and that alcoholism was making it so much worse. And, and the point that I want to make is because I didn't have those boundaries in my life, because I didn't have that, the, that thing there telling me and guiding me in, in how I should live and what I should do. When I got to my lowest points, I just kept going. You just keep falling and keep falling. And that's where we have the responsibilities as parents, as Christians, and as followers of Jesus to promote the law and live it in our lives. Because, again, we will just be so much better off for doing it. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. It is now. We do, know, we, do, we do know who it is. And somebody else sent through Johanna, mm-hmm. which is kind of close. Mm. It's not right. It's not right. But it's kind of close. Right. That means that we are, it is, it is now time for Question of the Day. Lyle, our question today is very much uh, based on what we've been talking about in our Bible study. And it's essentially, did God break the law for love? Okay. An interesting statement right there. And of course, this comes from a recent sermon that was presented by Steve Furtick. Of course, Steve Furtick uh, is one of these pastors of a megachurch in the United States. He started this church, interestingly, back in 2006 with 14 members. It now has 27,000 across 21 campuses, and so it's grown very, very rapidly. And the idea being that God loves us and that the law was hard for us, and so God came down to this earth and broke the law so that we didn't have to be under the law any longer. And so God broke the law for love. It's a bit of a wild... Where does he and, and, read that? Well, actually, well, this is what the Bible says. Uh, if you go to Mark chapter 2, verse 23, it came to pass that Jesus went through the cornfields on the Sabbath day and his disciples began as they went to pick the ears of corn. And the Pharisees said unto him, Why do they break the Sabbath and do that which is not lawful? 
Okay, so here's the question. Uh, you know, was Jesus breaking the law of God right here? Jesus, you know, goes on. I'm going to actually, before I go on to, uh, to read what Jesus has to say, my question to Steve Furtick and others is a very simple one, is this. Who was it that was accusing Jesus of breaking the law? Mm. It was the Pharisees, right? Mm. And so if you are claiming that Jesus broke the law, whose side are you on? Ooh. Who have you decided with? Ooh. The Pharisees. You've decided with the Pharisees right there. You've taken the same position that the Pharisees yeah. took. And so if you read on from there, you find Jesus says, look, Jesus says, look, in, in verse 27, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Therefore, the Son of Man is Lord also of the Sabbath. In other words, he's saying the Sabbath was made as a blessing for human beings. And the Son of Man, you know, I'm the one who created the Sabbath. I'm the Lord of the Sabbath. You can't tell me what is Sabbath-breaking and what is not. There is, you know, nothing in the Sabbath commandment that says, you know, if if you're hungry that you can't grab a little bit to eat on the Sabbath day. These were all extra laws that the Pharisees had added to the Sabbath that were not in the original commandment. And Jesus is like, I made that law in the first place. Why are you telling me how to keep it? What's interesting is that in the New Testament, there is more discussion between Jesus and the Pharisees over the Sabbath than any other law. And in all of those discussions, it is all about how to keep the Sabbath. Mm. There's nothing about whether or not it's done away with. It's just all about how to keep it. And Jesus has a perfect opportunity right here to say, yeah, you know, I'm Lord of the Sabbath, I did away with it. No, he doesn't say that. In fact, Jesus says, you know, heaven, as we, as we, as we noted earlier, heaven and earth will pass, you know, before one jot or tittle or punctuation mark passes from the law of God. You find that in, uh, and then, of course, Jesus also says, I did not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill the law. Mm. So this is the exact opposite of what Steve Furtick says. Steve Furtick says, God broke the law for love. Jesus says, I came to keep the law. Mm. In fact, that's the basis of our salvation. If Jesus had come to this earth and broken the law, then the law would be done away with. His character would be done away with. The law that holds the universe would be done away with. The whole thing would collapse. Also, he wouldn't need to die. Biggest point. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.